0: Good morning, Toronto. This is Toronto today here on TSN 1050, TSN 1050.ca, and on the iHeart Radio app. I'm Andy McNamara with you until one o'clock. Lot to get to in these two short hours. Guests for this morning slash afternoon. We'll talk some Blue Jays All-Star break almost upon us. Trade deadline looming. What is the future? immediate future of this Blue Jays team. Keegan Matheson, editor-in-chief of Baseball Toronto, joins me at 11.10, so in about 10 minutes' time. Then bottom of the hour, Sal Capaccio, Buffalo Bills beat reporter for WGR 550. Well, Sean McCoy is lawyered up. This thing is weird. This is odd. This is uh, the accusing of domestic violence against Shady McCoy. Very strange. We're going to get the latest from Sal Capaccio, we'll also lighten it up a little bit and talk about the Bills offseason. Uh, also, Terrell Owens, he has snubbed, we knew this, snubbed the Hall of Fame, but the Hall of Fame is saying, screw you, T.O., we're not going to mention you at the Hall of Fame ceremony. So they're coming right back. We'll talk NFL with Sal Capaccio. T- uh, 12 o'clock, high noon, Chris Cuthbert. CFL on TSN Play-by-Play Voices. Week 5 in the Canadian Football League tees off tonight. Calgary against Ottawa. Argos in action here on the station tomorrow night at 9 p.m. from Edmonton. Argos battling the Eskimos. And then the third and final matchup, short week uh, on Saturday, July 14. Winnipeg Blue Bombers against the BC Lions. That one is in Vancouver. And if you need more of a CFL fix... You can check out my show, CFL Weekly, every Tuesday at 9 here on TSN 1050. And if you missed it, I tweet out the link at andymc81, on Instagram at andymcsports, and we also have it on the tsn1050.ca show page. So you just go there, click on it, and you'll find CFL Weekly, and you can get your fix there. Now, after Chris, at 1230, and if you watch the TSN 1050 live Instagram feed that I just did before the show aired, you know who the guest is, and you know the shirt I'm wearing. It's three letters. It's black and white. It's N-W-O. Eric Bischoff. I got E-Z-E, ladies and gentlemen. I got him. I got Bischoff, former boss of WCW, founder of the N-W-O, the man who beat Vince McMahon in the ratings for 83 straight weeks in the Monday Night Wars of the mid to late 90s, Eric Bischoff. He's co-host of a new podcast called 83 Weeks, which is phenomenal if you're a wrestling fan of that time period. Let's face it, if, if you look back to the mid to late 90s, most of you listening, in some way or another, were aware of pro wrestling. Even if you're not a diehard. Everybody knew Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everybody knew Hulk Hogan, NWO, DX, Shawn Michaels, The Undertaker. That was the last great boom in the business. And Eric Bischoff led it. And completely changed it. So we'll we'll get into, into some of those topics in history with Eric Bischoff. Very, very... I'm a huge wrestling fan, if you guys don't know. Huge. NWO. Just junkie. And I want to let you guys have your take, too. If you have a question for Eric Bischoff, I put it out at AndyMC81. You guys have been blowing up the Twitter, so you can still send some in and get your questions in for Eric Bischoff. I'll try to pick a few and ask Bischoff himself your NWO, WCW, whatever you want to know. Was Hogan always the third man to form the group? Why did this happen? Whatever. Tweet me at AndyMC81, or you can text the station at ten fifty fifty. So tweet me at AndyMC81, or text at ten fifty fifty. You can reply to the pin tweet that I have there. We also have a couple show polls up for today. Sticking with the wrestling for a minute we have and you can vote at TSN1050 radio since NWO founder and former WCW boss Eric Bischoff is joining me at 12:30 what is your all-time favorite pro wrestling stable your favorite group of all time is it the NWO is it generation x dx the four horsemen or i put on the corporate ministry but you can tweet in your own too corporate ministry there's the hart foundation Producer Herbie Sachs and I were chatting before. That's when I forgot Herbie. I forgot the Hart Foundation with Bret Hart. Of course. How could I forget Bret? Canadian icon. Was it the Hart Foundation? The ministry? You can pick yours. So NWO, which of course was founded. Hogan, Nash, Hall, DX, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, X-Pac, China, all that. Four Horsemen, Ric Flair. This is your, your classic 80s. This is what started... The real stable, the real dominant group. Everybody getting put over as a champ. Flair, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, and after that, a mix of Lex Luger and others. Or the corporate ministry, and that was uh, Vince McMahon, The Undertaker, things like that. So we already have put the poll up one minute ago and 41 votes. So we're we're rolling. Uh, At Leafs Hub says, this is a tough one. Four horsemen and NWO for the tie. They're right at the same time. So you can vote on that. DX Four Horsemen, or Corporate Ministry, your favorite all-time wrestling stable. This is what's the great about this time of year. The sports news can be a little slow. There's stuff going on, of course, but a little. there's not breaking Leafs news, breaking Raptors news. The Blue Jays aren't doing well. So we can have some fun. We can have a little bit of fun. And our second Twitter poll is... Uh, surrounding the Jays and Tim Tebow. Because Tebow got a double in the A All-Star game. And there's talk that the New York Mets, who are terrible, are looking to bring him up in September. Now, does he deserve it? Probably not, but for all accounts, credit to Tim Tebow. Listen, this guy's got money. He's got fame. He doesn't have to be riding buses In minor league baseball. So credit to him. I thought he would be doing it for a few months, season, maybe to give it up. Go be famous, go be comfortable. No. Dude is grinding. So the question is, at TSN 1050 Radio, who will make a bigger impact in Major League Baseball come September? Vladdy Guerrero Jr. for the Jays, who, when he returns from injury, is going to be going to AAA Buffalo. Tim Tebow, or neither will be up. So, Vladdy Jr., Tebow time, or neither on who will make the bigger impact come September. I would love for Tim Tebow to make an impact because I think that would be a ton of fun to get the Tebow resurgence, but that is a PR grab, right? That's a, 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 hey, uh, we're the Mets, we suck, let's try to sell some tickets. So again, you can vote on that at TSN 1050 Radio, at Andy mc 81 on Twitter, who will make the bigger impact in the MLB come September. So, Tim Tebow, as I said, was in the All-Star game, got a double, and you can have a listen to the highlight.
1: A 2-1, is swung on and served to the opposite field, and that one is fair. And in the left field corner, Tebow's around first. He is headed for second and stands there with a double. Tim Tebow, who hit a three-run home run on the first pitch he saw in double-A, has a double in his first at-bat of the 2018 Eastern League All-Star Classic.
0: There you go, the Eastern All-Star Classic, double-A. So Tebow commented after the game, and just really about his season, the hit, and, and what it all means to him. It felt really good. I thought the game was really fun too. It had a really um, fun feel and pace to it. I think all the guys, you know, um, really enjoyed it. I know my first at bat. <laughs> I was so trying to ambush the first pitch, and he even laughed and was like, "You thought I was going to throw at you a fastball? Like, of course not. I'm going slider first pitch. I knew you're hacking." And so it was just a lot of fun like that. Especially my last at bat. I was, not going to get cheated on those swings. So it was really fun. I think everybody really enjoyed it. Tim Tebow. Yeah, it's a fun story, right? You have this guy who, unorthodox throw, not the most accurate quarterback, had success, was a, let's be honest, as much as you like Tebow, a flash in the pan in the NFL, and then goes on to a minor league career. Yeah, you think it's like a gimmick, right? It's a, eh. He goes to the All-Star game. Good on him. listen. he's 30 years old. He's not going to be a... A major factor in Major League Baseball, at least not in my opinion. Hell, you know what though? I didn't expect him to last this long, so who knows? Uh, other news today, of course, you heard it in the Sports Center update. Winnipeg Jets signing Connor Hellebuck to a six year, $37 million contract extension. How about that for Hellebuck? And what a great year he had, too. 924 save percentage, 2.36 goals against average. Like, the mere imaging of the Leafs and the Jets really jumps out to me. Two young, ascending teams. You got star power. Maple Leafs got a bit more now with John Tavares. Just saying. But you got the stellar goaltender in the back. Now, Hellebuck played better than Freddie Anderson, but Anderson is an upper echelon goaltender. So, Connor Hellebuck signing up for a long time. Uh, let's get back into the Jays, though. Welcome in. Our guest, he is the editor-in-chief of Baseball Toronto, Keegan Matheson. Keegan, how's it going, man?
1: I'm doing well, Andy. Right when I came in there, I heard you talking about teams with young star power, and I was worried what was going on, but then you said Maple Leaf, so it <laughs> makes sense
0: now. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, we'll have to wait for the Blue Jays to turn into that, I think, for, uh, for, <laughs> for a little bit there. But we're playing as well, just a clip of Tim Tebow talking and then his his double in the All-Star game, about what a fun story that has been. and. And really, Keegan, when you look at what Tim Tebow has done, this guy's got fame, fortune, he doesn't have to do anything, but he's riding the bus, he's doing the double-A thing, like, you gotta respect it, right?
1: You really do. When he started in baseball, uh, frankly, I thought it was a gimmick. Me too. Um, I, I wasn't in the the camp of thinking with a lot of old-school baseball guys who who almost took it as an offense. I think that was a bit ridiculous, but I did think this would be a few months, and it would fizzle out and go away, and and it would be a happy story. And, and, you know, initially it looked like a reason to sell tickets in the minor leagues, which really matters for these minor league organizations. But he has stuck it out. You know, he he has uh, improved. He's still a flawed player. He's not going to be a major league star. But uh, there's something there, and it's turned into more than I thought it would be. And you do have to give him some credit for it. for sticking it out you know he has uh, a few more dollars than your average minor <laughs> leader, so he's not, uh really suffering through the minor leagues but it's not an ideal lifestyle regardless so kudos to him
0: and well, i'll get your your vote on our poll question at tsn 1050 radio on come september who do you think will have the bigger impact Vlady guerrero jr tim tebow or neither will make an impact
1: Oh, wow. You know what? I, I still think it's so unlikely that Vladdy Guerrero Jr. is called up to the Blue Jays. Maybe the Mets are so desperate to sell a ticket or two that Tim Tebow comes up and pushes it. That's the, that's the only the only time I'll ever answer Tim Tebow over Vlad Jr. in anything. But I, I think the Mets, uh, their decision-making process is completely beyond me. So maybe they try to sell a ticket or two and put him in that lineup.
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, that's probably a safe bet since they're so out of it. But let's talk about Vladdy for a minute here, Keegan. And the word is, when he's coming back, he's going to be going to A Buffalo, which is where we all expected he would be ending up with how he was mashing at A. Uh, what? And I guess it depends, one, obviously, how he performs at AAA, if there's any rust coming off of that injury. But all things being equal, not to say he has to hit 400, but is he pretty much a lock if he's healthy and doing okay to come up in September?
1: It'll be a part of the discussion, I believe, now that he's going to be up at A, um, If he's there very soon, that will make it part of the discussion. But at the same time, it's also possible the Blue Jays leave him in A into the 2019 season hmm. to buy an extra year of team control. That's not a, a sensible baseball move if you're trying to win games. Uh, it's not a fan-friendly move, but it, it's the reality of of team control, and we've seen it happen before. I think uh, back going to Chris Bryant was a big one that we talked about a lot. So uh, if he gets up and hits, that's one thing, but the Blue Jays still want to see him defending well, uh, running on the base as well, which has been a big issue for him at times. And uh, his bat obviously is ready for the majors right now. Uh, I think he could have been in the majors at this point if he was healthy, but uh, basing it on what the Blue Jays want and what they are looking at, I think they still need to see that defensive improvement and uh, some all-around stuff like the base running. There, they you, you often hear uh, Ross Atkins talk about you know how he's becoming a better teammate and things like this. I don't know how to measure that. Uh, I don't know what the number right. is to measure teammatemanship. So uh, you look <laughs> at those numbers, but the the glove and the base running is big.
0: Uh, yeah, I like that. There's not really a stat, a, a saber metric we can point to to hey, he's a he's a good dude. He brought muffins for everybody, right? Like there's not really. <laughs> not really something we can track there.
1: Yeah. yeah, and you know major league baseball like any sport isn't isn't filled 100% to the brim with the greatest people you've ever met. So it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it, there's a lot of buzzwords involved and I I think he's a uh, you know once he's ready defensively fielding all around in that game I I think that's what's being a team a good teammate might mean.
0: In conversation with Keegan Matheson of Baseball Toronto Editor-in-Chief there. Uh, Keegan, when we look at the Blue Jays now, the ones in the big leagues, lost to Atlanta, starting a set with the Boston Red Sox at Fenway Park. Now, this is a nice matchup in a season that's hasn't been overly exciting for the Blue Jays on the field. You got Jay Happ versus David Price at Fenway. This is pretty cool. And for Jays fans, you want Happ to really try to snap out of his, his little funk, and by doing that now, that would hopefully, well, catapult him into having a higher value come the trade deadline, I would think.
1: Yes, it should at least stabilize it, and uh, if you're an opposing team looking at Hap right now, you're not looking at these last two starts right. and saying lost, the, the, the velocity has been there, it, and he's been making some, some decent pitches. He hasn't pitched well, but maybe it hasn't been as bad as it looked. So what you want to see is just a bounce back. You don't need three or four shutouts in a row, but just something to assure you that it was an anomaly. You know, maybe just to assure you that it wasn't a a pitch being tipped or something that other teams were really locking into all of a sudden in the middle of the year. It makes you feel much more confident as a, as a contender, as a buyer that you can go out after half. And I think doing it against a lineup like Boston would be a, a big feat. You know, he's really running into a, I know, some tough lineups here when he needs his value to be at its best, but the Blue Jays are a team that if they choose so, they can get out ahead of this deadline with someone like Hap, but they would need a very good start, I think, to to get him back stable to do that.
0: And Keegan, we chatted, I think it was last week, about Hap obviously being the blue chip, and after that it's Estrada. What do you do with Donaldson? But somebody like a Stroman or a Sanchez depending on how this team is looking to rebuild. Because you can make an argument of, okay, these are young guys you can get value for potentially, but on the other side of that, if you're looking to make a quick turnaround like the front office has said in a year, you're going to need young arms like Stroman or Sanchez. Where are you at in possibly dealing those two guys?
1: I think when you look to next year, and you made that point exactly, you want those guys on your own team. Uh, Are you going to bring back someone of equal value I don't know. And of course, with both of them right now, they're not even at their peak value, uh, really not close in in either situation. So I do understand the the tendency or perhaps the the temptation to look at dealing your younger players right before they get really expensive. But at this point, the Blue Jays would not be dealing from a a standpoint of strength. And at the deadline as well, you're limiting yourself. Maybe those types of deals are something you explore at the winter meetings, maybe Hmm. when you can get Twenty or twenty-five teams involved instead of six or eight. I think that's much likelier. But those are players that you you want to build around if you can, and if you have to deal with them, you'd prefer it's at max value and with a much bigger pool of potential bidders.
0: Well, that's what always drives me nuts. Is it's like okay, well, let's trade Stroman and Sanchez and get prospects back or get X Y. But you're going to be looking for Stroman and Sanchez. Type of guys. That's, that's what you want at that age. You want those type of players. So you're trading guys to hopefully get the same type in an unknown. So unless you want to move on for whatever the situation is, if you feel uh, Stroman's lost it or attitude and Sanchez, uh, you're, you're afraid of the blisters coming back or whatever, fine. But to just trade them to get maybes back doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
1: No, that's tough, and I, I don't know if is it, it have video games changed how we viewed baseball. Trades don't happen as much as we think, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs>
0: as, <laughs> you're as so much right. We talk yeah. About trades, yeah.
1: uh-huh. they're a great conversation piece, and there's few things more fun to talk about in baseball than trades. But outside of the deadline, they don't happen that much, yeah. especially with big players like that. And and you're exactly right. If you are dealing a uh, Stroman or a Sanchez, you're probably looking for pitching to come back the other way because the Jays have filled in their positional prospects rather well. And you're hoping that maybe one of them becomes a Stroman or Sanchez. And Stroman and Sanchez are the two guys out of dozens in the Blue Jays system who have made it. There are so many prospects, such a huge rate of prospects that fail and never even come close to their potential. So that is a a risk taking two steps back just to hope you take two two steps forward. It's It's hard to come out better. Maybe you come out even, but it's a lot harder to come out better than you entered that deal.
0: And Keegan, when we look at the AL East race, of course we'd love the Jays to be in it. They are uh, a, a, a twenty-one and a half games out, so not not good. Uh, but when you look at the Red Sox and the Yankees and that race, that like you talk about two iconic franchises battling it out, Yanks three and a half back of Boston. Just as a baseball fan, that's a lot of fun. And when you look at how these two clubs are built for this year for an extended drive. How do you rank them? Is, are the Red Sox clearly that much farther ahead than the Yankees?
1: I think right now they are, and I should be careful. I'm sitting out in a, on a deck in Boston, so maybe oh. I should be quiet. Yes. But, um, <laughs> no, I, 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 I think the Red Sox are out ahead right now for sure, and really, you know, there are two teams that are so good. That's really a, an injury or a streak could bump it either way. And at the same time, this, this might be a situation where the AL East is, is up for a bit at the trade deadline. Hmm. The Yankees obviously being linked to Machado, being linked to someone like Hap. Maybe they're looking even at a Zach Britton. Uh, ego matters here. The rivalry does matter here, and, and it will be a bit of an arms race going up to July 31. I, I think right now, if you play out the season with these rosters, I, I do think the Red Sox are a better team long-term and a more a more stable team. They might not be as streaky. But, uh, you know, the Yankees have all the firepower in the world to go put up 15 runs in a game and steal a couple and win a series. So I think both teams will be bouncing off one another at the deadline. And if one makes a big move, I think you will see the other uh, the exact same because the Yankees have lots of capital, lots of cash. And uh, when Dave Dombrowski is on a team, that team is going to make moves Mm -hmm. as well in the Red Sox.
0: Well, yeah, and and that's what's so interesting with those two clubs because their windows have burst wide open to right now. This isn't, okay, maybe in a year like the Yankees were a season ago. This is, hey, we can potentially go for it now. So when we look at the rest of the American League, we got Red Sox, Yankees, Indians leading the Central, and the Houston Astros. Cleveland is, is a fascinating club to me, Keegan, because you see all the pieces potentially there. If you look on paper... Strong starting staff. Bullpen has the guns. They haven't been performing well at all, but they have the names. And the bats that started ice cold are starting to turn, but they're in a very weak division. So you see them up by eight and a half. That's a little bit deceiving. Where do you rank the rest of the AL as far as true contenders with the Indians and Astros being included?
1: Yeah, Cleveland's tough. Maybe they're the team that you just don't hear much about, and then they finally make noise in the playoffs. Right. lower expectations for a change. Uh Houston is uh, again foolishly talented this year and they <laughs> I love that description. Well.
0: Foolishly talented. They, That's they are, awesome.
1: <laughs> it's, it's a lineup and you look even at 789 and you think come on yeah, it's yeah. kind of a create a team type roster. It's incredibly done. And their pitching of course is brilliant. Uh looking around you it's the wild card race it's going to be interesting some teams you know you're not exactly looking at those 500 teams trying to limp in anymore maybe in Seattle can they keep things going, but without Cano, that's so tough. I think LA is going to be one of the more fun teams to watch, you know, just from a, a viewer standpoint, if they can make some noise and make an underdog run, but I do think Cleveland is a team who will maybe outperform expectations, and that might not even mean getting past the ALDS really at this point with the talent in this, in this uh, league, but they are a team that's gone under the radar and really hasn't been talked about much, but The talent really is there, especially if they can re-tinker that bullpen at the deadline or get some guys turned back around. That's a bit of a problem for them, but I don't expect them to leave that alone.
0: Well, it's Hap versus Price tonight at Fenway Park in Boston for the Blue Jays. Red Sox have won nine in a row. It's going to be a tough test, but it'll be interesting to see what Jay Hap does. Keegan, thank you so much as always, man. Thanks, Andy. All right, Keegan Matheson on Twitter, at Keegan Matheson, editor-in-chief of Baseball Toronto. Oh, I miss the Jays being in the race. Like, it's, it's great. As I said, it, Red Sox, Yankees, you, you love them, hate them. They're iconic. And those two battling it out, it's just fun as a fan of the game to watch them slug it out in the standings, right? And you got, really, outside of the Astros, you got three of the classic organizations in Major League Baseball. Red Sox, Yankees, Indians. Been around forever. Contending and, and battling. So you got those iconic franchises going for it. So, yeah, a uh, Hap and Price tonight. Jays in Boston to start a weekend series there. After the break, it'll be Sal Capaccio, Buffalo Bills beat reporter for WGR 550 Buffalo. Talk the Bills. What the heck is going on with LaShawn McCoy? The off-season news in the NFL with Terrell Owens not be, going to be mentioned by the Hall of Fame at the induction ceremony. And whatever other storylines we come up with around the National Football League. That is next here on Toronto Today. Welcome back to Toronto Today here on TSN 1050. TSN1050.ca and on the iHeartRadio app, I'm Andy McNamara. And that's a little Voodoo Child, a little Hollywood Hulk Hogan theme song in honor of our 1230 guest, Eric Bischoff, founder of the NWO, former WCW boss, great podcast, 83 weeks. You can tweet in your questions for Easy e about the NWO, the Monday Night Wars, all that great stuff at AndyMC81 or text the station at 10. We'll talk some CFL at the top of the hour as well with Chris Cuthbert, TSN CFL play-by-play man. Happy to welcome on now, though, from the Buffalo Bills coverage on WGR 550. Always does a great job. Sal Capaccio. Sal, how's it going, man? Pretty good, guys. Happy summer to you. Yes, happy summer to you, too. And Sal, it's the NFL's way. It it just can't be quiet for more than a couple of days. In this situation... (laughs) With Lashawn McCoy it is it is bizarre he's he's lawyered up the accusations of, of domestic violence like Sal, have you been able to to make heads or tails of this like what what's real what isn't what's happening
2: No there's certainly a lot more questions still than answers right now um, this is a as you said bizarre story it's a very very serious story as far as the accusations we're talking about domestic violence child abuse animal abuse PEDs I mean you're striking everything in there right so mm-hmm. um you know, what we know is that uh, something happened to this woman. We don't know what happened to her. Um, we're pretty sure now, judging by most reports, that LaShawn McCoy did not physically assault anyone here. But the question is, did he have any knowledge of what happened, Do have any involvement in what happened? Um, he did hire a very prominent defense attorney in Atlanta, someone who was uh, involved in the Ray Lewis case defending him several years ago. If you remember that down there, yeah. as well as Ben Roethlisberger. And, you know, for some people take that as a sign of, you know, well, LaShawn, you know, getting a lawyer, it must mean that he did something. It doesn't. I mean, I would get a lawyer as well if uh, somebody accused me of many things that I didn't do. And LaShawn has flat out denied any of these accusations through his own social media account. Um, these two people, LaShawn and this woman, were uh, together for some time. They have not been for about six months. Apparently she's still living in the home. He's been trying to evict her. And wanted some items back. She says those are the items specifically targeted in this home invasion. There was no sort of forced entry or anything like that, according to the police. But it's uh still a mystery what happened here. And there are no suspects. That's what's interesting as well. No one said like, we do have a suspect in this case. We we're pretty sure LaShawn McCoy was in Miami when all this happened, but we just don't know um to what events, you know, he is being accused of
0: being a part of this. Wow. Wow. Just, uh, well, we'll we'll have to to follow that, and you can follow Sal on Twitter. He'll have it all for you, at Sal Sports, Buffalo Bills reporter for WGR 550. Uh, More off-the-field stuff. Coming out that the Hall of Fame is not going to mention Terrell Owens at the induction ceremony. still going to be in on the pitchers and all that, but he's not going to be mentioned. Terrell, of course, snubbing the Hall of Fame after it took him... A while to get in. He's going to have his own uh, speech at um, University of Tennessee, and they're going to mail him the gold jacket. Like, Sal, this is such a T.O. thing to try to get all the attention, but for him after waiting so long, it's so bizarre to me to think you don't want the gold jacket put on and get your kudos in front of everybody. It's That's strange as well.
2: It is. I think it's petty on both sides, to be quite honest yeah. with you. Um, you know who loses? All of us. Right. Uh, because right. Of, Because of them having their own spat here. And look, I think originally Hall of Fame voters were being petty by not putting him in because they may have not liked his personality. That's not what the Hall of Fame is about. And then when T.O. gets elected, sure, he has a right to do what he wants. But, you know, for him not to show up, you're to penalize those voters. You're really penalizing us. I mean, you know, it'd be nice. I'd like to hear his speech. I like to I I enjoy that night and hearing what a lot of these guys have to say. Um, I think that they're basically cutting off their nose despite their own face, and the loser is the football fan in this whole deal. So, look, I mean, if he wants to have a speech at his alma mater and do something to raise money or something, I think that's that's awesome, and maybe they can record it and play it or something like that. But to exclude him and his name or whatever, I mean, you got to be kidding me. This is just getting really petty on both sides, and I think we are the people who lose in this.
0: Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, so, Tio will uh, well. That's that's a shame because it, it would have been a, a fun speech I'm sure for him to, to make there. But so when we get back to on the field for the Buffalo Bills, training camp's gonna be starting up end of the month, and the question is, all right, Bills fans, you want Tyrod Taylor gone? He's gone. You got Josh Allen in now, you got AJ McCarron. From what you saw in the mini camps, and we well, you know it's thrown against air, and it's tough to see, but is AJ McCarron? Do you feel going to be good enough to keep Josh Allen parked on the bench as long as possible, so he can try to develop and catch up to the speed of the NFL game?
2: Well, I think the question is is not only AJ McCarron. Maybe is Nathan Peterman going to be good enough? <laughs> I think that's the under that's the under talked about storyline here. That Nathan Peterman may have looked the most consistent in camp of the three, and none of them look bad. Everybody looks good in shorts, as you sure. just said. You should. You're thrown against air. <laughs> But I think Nathan Peterman has a legitimate shot to win this job. Um, Nate, but A.J. McCarron as well. Um, I think the question really is how quickly Josh Allen can take this job by his own volition, not through injury or something like that. I, there's there, are, He's going to play at some point this year. Look, I did the research since Aaron Rodgers came in the league, where well, we all know he waited. Since then, there's been 32 quarterbacks drafted in the first round. Only two of them didn't start one game their rookie year. Uh, so if he's going to start, the question is, does he start because of injury? Because he's simply earned the job and he just outright looks great in practice, or because the team isn't playing that well and they decide to make a switch and say, We got to start planning for the future. Uh, I think Josh Allen, from what I saw, uh, his arm is as good as advertised, but he still has things to work on mechanically to make sure that, you know, he's got his I's dotted and his T's crossed. I think he's an arm thrower. He doesn't really. Sometimes know when to dial it down, and he always wants to throw that fastball, and I think that's something that he has to learn at the NFL level to be able to do. But I really, really liked what I saw from him as far as the intangibles, the leadership, the way that he approached the huddle, the line of scrimmage. Um, I think the accuracy issues are a little bit overblown, and those things will work out with those mechanical issues. But, look, he doesn't have a high bar to clear here. A.J. McCarron (laughs) and Nathan Peterman aren't world beaters, but I will say that they are guys, especially I think Nathan Peterman seems like a guy that may be able to win this week one job and try to hold Josh Allen off at bay for as long as he can.
0: Now, Sal, how would Bill's fans take to if Nathan Peterman got the job? Because the only thing they've seen in live action was that five-interception debacle where he was inserted and then Tyrod came in. Uh, partway through to to take it back. like If he has improved, not to say that he can't get better, and that was a, a one-off, but just from the look to Bills fans after coming off of the playoffs from that extended uh, drought, how what do you think the the the, the it's going to feel like for Bills fans to see, okay, hey, it's Nathan Peterman?
2: It's very polarizing here. Uh, it's already been talked about a lot. We talk about it. The fact that Peterman could wind up winning a starting job, we don't know. And already it's very polarizing. You have a lot of Bills fans who say, Hey, good for that kid. Um, you know he's got a good head in his shoulders. I'm glad to see him bounce back. They drafted him. They believe in him. You know, good for him that he's going to be able to do that. Um, but then you have a lot of other fans that say, "Oh my God, I can't believe we're going to start a guy that had five interceptions. He's horrible." Just basically find me another team. You know what I mean? Like I, this is ridiculous. Um, that that really is the polarization of Nathan Peterman. Right now, you know, I, I do give the kid credit for putting that behind him. Uh, it was not a situation that he probably should have ever been thrown in, quite no. frankly, to begin with. But he was, and he's since kind of recovered and handled that well, and I think he's done a good job of acclimating himself, you know, back to where they need him to be. So, you know, we'll see where this goes with him, but I think, you know, you know what the, the, the question, it's a great question, but I think really what it comes down to is this. If Nathan Peterman won the job, I think people would be more upset that Josh Allen wasn't good enough to beat Nathan Peterman, if that makes sense, and say, "What do we? What, why did we draft this kid if he can't even beat a guy that threw five interceptions in a game last year? So if McCarron wins the job, it's it's about McCarron. I think if Peterman wins the job, it's about Josh Allen, if that makes hmm. sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree, because you, you spend a pick that high. Now, from a competitive standpoint, what I do like about this for the Buffalo Bills, Sal, is that you have three guys who all have something to prove. A.J. McCarron has been waiting, chomping at the bit for his shot, and this is it. And you have to think there's going to be not too many people more motivated than him to seize the moment and show, hey, man, I've been in the shadow of Andy Dalton. Let me loose. So from that standpoint, you're not getting somebody who is uh, laid back or going to be lackadaisical at all for for A.J. McCarron. But there's the the frustrating part, if I'm a Bills fan, is you don't have any proven commodity at quarterback. That's That, to me, seems to be the, the scary part.
2: That's right. That's right. I mean, this is not a situation like, look what the Jets did. They drafted Sam Darnold, but they still had McCown there, and they yes. brought in Teddy Bridgewater, right? Look what the Cardinals did. They drafted Rosen, but they already, then they brought in Sam Bradford as well, and they paid him $20 million. Look, the Bills, they did investigate doing things like that. They investigated in Sam Bradford and McCown and maybe even Bridgewater. They were not going to pay $20 million for a Sam Bradford. They just weren't going to do that. And when the dust settled and no other team signed A.J. McCarron, he was sitting out there. He didn't have many other options. And the Bills said, well, we can bring you in for $10 million for two years, which, as you know, is peanuts for yeah. starting QB if he wins that job. So from that standpoint, it was the right fit. But you're right. Look, he has not started that much in this league. We still don't know what he is. Nathan Peterman's only been in this league for one season. He had two starts. People forget Nathan Peterman started that snow game against the Colts threw a nice touchdown pass in that game before getting a concussion, and he wound up winning that game for the Bills, actually. And, you know, that was also another thing on his resume that was a positive. But they don't have a lot of experience, and that's why I said earlier, the bar to clear for Josh Allen isn't that high. He has a legitimate shot here. He's going to go to camp as the number three. They're going to rotate McCarron and Peterman as the one and the two. We already know that from Sean McDermott. But I would give it a week, maybe two weeks, and then we'll see where all this starts to shake out.
0: In conversation with Sal Capaccio, Buffalo Bills reporter for WGR 550, on Twitter, at Sal Sports. Let's take a look at the rest of the AFC East here, Sal. you got the Patriots. We know Tommy Terrific, even if there is some potential infighting or whatever. Probably when things start to get rolling, they'll be Brady. You have the Dolphins with um, Tannehill coming back from injury, Cutler out, and then the Jets, as you mentioned. You have Sam Darnold, the rookie, Josh McCowan, and Teddy Bridgewater. How do you see the East playing out so far uh, before we get to camp and any potential injuries?
2: Well, I was a big Teddy Bridgewater fan, yeah. um, you know, going into all this, and I thought that he would be a really good fit for the Bills. I'm scared about his injury. I'm rooting for Teddy, really am. I, I hope that he recovers. He's a great kid by all accounts, and I think he's a really good quarterback and can play in this league. And if he can um, be the starter there and um, keep let, allow Sam Darnold to develop, I think that they have a chance to be – you know, a pretty good team this year, the Jets, and compete. I don't know how much of a jump they can make, um, but I think what Todd Bowles did last year was really remarkable for him to be maybe even a consideration for Coach of the Year, considering he did more with less than most coaches around the league. So I like the Jets, and I think they're, on a, they're kind of similar to the Bills, where they have this young quarterback, but they also have some other parts, you know, that you, 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 you're not quite sure of. I don't know who the, who's catching passes over there. For well, the Jets, you know, yeah. like, the, like the Bills as well. Uh, the Dolphins seem to be the team that just are falling farther back here as these other teams get their quarterback and try to get their organization in line to ready to leap the Patriots when Tom Brady finally retires. The Dolphins, I thought they were going to draft a quarterback. I mean, it's scary right now. They're going to go into this year, and you know Tannehill's going to be there, and what is he going to be? He hasn't taken a snap since December of 2016. Wow. So, I mean, well, what are we looking at here with them? So I think they're a team that could wind up being uh, near the bottom of the NFL. But you're right, as long as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick are there, especially Brady, they are the favorites to win the AFC East. I do think it's coming to an end sometime soon. I just don't hope it's going to be this year or
0: not. (laughs) It just seems to be okay next year. Next year. Okay, this year, and it just it just keeps going. Do you take it? And last one for yourself. Do you take any uh, anything away from Tom Brady's comments off season? You know the respect thing. OTAs not coming. Does this? Do you think when when it comes down to it, this is going to mean anything for the Patriots?
2: Do do you, did you watch his um, Tom versus Time Facebook? series? No, I didn't. You need to watch that. Yeah, I think you. Yeah, I think you do. I, I've said this, and I, I kind of got in trouble in Buffalo saying this because it's Buffalo, but it's <laughs> uh-huh. true. But I think you come away with from that from really gaining a new respect even for Tom Brady, even if you hate him, right? Hmm. Um, even saying that in Buffalo, I mean, you really do understand what this man does to get ready for a season, how dedicated he is, how mu- and how much of a family man he is, and a father he is, and a husband. And I think that's where I really do think that the end is closer than it is farther away. If you watch that, you can tell there's some pressure Internally, in his own family, from Giselle, I think, especially, and other people that they they are concerned about health and they want him to be there for his kids and i don 't think they want him to play football much longer to be quite honest, and I think he 's kind of fighting back a little bit on that, but he 's getting to the point where some things have happened in the organization, um, you know where maybe he feels like, you know what maybe it 's not worth it anymore, and he talks about the respect and I think if you watch that series, you do get the feeling that he is specifically referring to the Patriots and how they 've kind of treated him and you know, it's all been always been about the Patriot Way and the Patriot Way and the Patriot Way, and I think maybe Brady's finally in his forties, waking up and saying, "Heck with the Patriot Way, it's about Tom Brady. Why, right. why have I not gotten the credit for what <laughs> I've done for this
0: organization?" Right, taking all the pay cuts and all that.
2: Right, Jeez. exactly. Well, hey, you got to watch that series. It's really, it's really good. Okay,
0: I'll I'll check that out. Tom versus Time. Okay, on on Facebook. Yeah. Thanks for that, Sal, and thank you for uh, taking the time today. Enjoy the summer, and uh, we'll chat again soon. Anytime, man. Thank you very much. All right. Sal Capaccio. Love his work on Twitter, at Sal Sports. Covers the Buffalo Bills for WGR 550. Still to come to the show, top of the hour, Chris Cuthbert from the CFL and TSN. Tee up week five in the Canadian Football League. Eric Bischoff, former boss of WCW, founder of the NWO and co-host of the new 83 Weeks podcast. Mr. Bischoff joins me at 12.30. World Cup conversation next, as well as the finals and the tournament wraps up this weekend. A lot more here on Toronto Today. Today rolls on here on TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. Follow us on Twitter at tsn1050radio, at andymc81. You can get me on Instagram as well, at andymcsports. Still to come in the program as I take you up to 1 o'clock. At noon, Chris Cuthbert from the CFL on TSN, play-by-play man. Chat with him about week 5 in the Canadian Football League. Argonauts play here on the station, 9 o'clock. In Edmonton versus the Eskimos. That one is uh, Saturday. And it'll be actually Friday. My mistake. It'll be so Friday at 9 o'clock. Edmonton and Toronto. Calgary, Ottawa kickoff week five tonight. And then to wrap up a shortened week five in the CFL. Winnipeg heads into Vancouver to battle the Lions. So we'll talk to Chris Cuthbert about that. And then 1230. Eric Bischoff, baby. I got my NWO shirt on. Black and white. Eric Bischoff, former boss of WCW World Championship Wrestling, beat the WWE and Vince McMahon in the Monday Night Wars ratings, Raw versus Nitro, for 83 straight weeks, founded the NWO, and has a new podcast called 83 Weeks, where he details all the -the behind-the-scenes stuff. If you're a wrestling fan, even if it was casual back in the late 90s, you got to listen to this. This is going to be cool. And if you have questions, we've got a ton of them, if you have questions for Eric Bischoff for EZE. e Tweet me at AndyMC81 or text 105050. So text 105050 or tweet me at AndyMC81 for your questions for Eric Bischoff at 1230. And you can vote on our poll questions, too. Put a couple in there. It was, what is your favorite all-time pro wrestling stable, your favorite group? You can vote on that at TSN 1050 Radio. Is it the NWO? Is it DX? Is it the Four Horsemen? Or... The corporate ministry. And, of course, you can vote in your own. We have a vote for the Heart Foundation from at BChu98. God, I love the Heart Foundation. Absolutely. Had a vote for Evolution, kind of the reboot of the Horsemen with Flair, Randy Orton, Triple H, and Bautista. So uh, you can vote on that. And also our other poll question at TSN 1050 Radio. With Tim Tebow, not just making the A All-Star game, but hitting a double and playing okay. And word that the Mets might call him up in September. Who's gonna have the bigger impact in the pros come September? Vlad Guerrero Jr. of the Blue Jays, who's gonna start in Triple A Buffalo once he comes back off his injury, or Tebow Time. The other option? Neither. Neither will do much when and if they get to the pros. You can vote on those two at TSN ten fifty radio. Now, the World Cup. It has been a march. It has been exciting. The finals are set. Sunday, Croatia versus France, 11 a.m., right here on TSN 1050. You watch it on TSN. That's Sunday at 11 a.m. The third place match between England and Belgium is 10 a.m. on Saturday. So, one of the great things about soccer are the international goal calls, right? That's, you hear those and they just, they just do it. They just, they just make it for you and it is a lot of fun. So, here, now I'm not sure what language it's in. I have not heard this call. I'm going to assume Spanish. But we'll hear the Croatian game-winning goal call after they beat England 2-1. Here we go. Walker to Perisic. Perisic. That's awesome. (laughs) Tears, tears of joy for that call. Croatia over England, two to one. Don't you just love, like, say what you want if you're a soccer fan or not. The calls of goals, no other sport can touch it. No other sport can touch that at all. So now that we're moving in to the actual. Finals. Who's going to win this thing? France and Croatia, again, 11 a.m. Sunday, here on TSN 1050 and on TSN TV. Uh, Christian Jack, one of our terrific TSN soccer analysts, uh, spoke about how uh, France are heavy favorites to win this thing. I said whoever wins the Belgium-France game will be overwhelming favorites in the final, and I stand by that statement. Overwhelming. You know, France, because of the way they've played, uh, and also because of Croatia's incredible July and it has been a July you know it was July 1st when they played Denmark over 120 minutes and had a penalty shootout then they played 120 minutes in the quarterfinals against the hosts, uh, an up and down game where they thought they'd won an extra time and then they let them let one in and had to go to shootout again and then they played another extra, extra time get today, so 11 days, 3 games over 120 minutes um, and it'll be the same players asked to do that same task again by the way this is not a depth game, they're playing the same players right. in the final here, um, it'll be an enormous task for the Croatians and you know, if France get a goal early, then the the way that they've played, they just look very difficult to break down. So overwhelming. I don't even. I would imagine there'd be well, well odds on. Like, two, I mean, I'm a fraction guy when it looks betting when it comes to betting, but I would imagine they would be two to one on at least yeah. to, to win the final. Christian Jack picking France as the final gets set. France and Croatia finals Sunday at 11 a.m. Third place match England versus Belgium that goes Saturday at 10 in the morning on TSN and on TSN radio so you can catch that so after the top of the hour we will have Chris Cuthbert come on from CFL on TSN we'll chat about the Toronto Argonauts getting ready James Franklin James Wilder tearing it up the James gang they're now being called by the CFL panel on TSN Can they have a repeat going into Edmonton, one of the premier teams in the CFL? And Mike Riley and Edmonton, they don't lose two in a row too often. If they're healthy enough, they don't lose that often. Mike Riley is an all-world guy. James Franklin did enough. James Wilder was next level. What can they do? And we'll swing around the other storylines from the Canadian Football League. That is with Chris Cuthbert next here on Toronto Today.